This is the Creative Agency Podcast, where we explore the strategies, aspirations, methods, and mistakes behind growing and maintaining a successful creative agency. Hello out there. It's me, Chris Bolton, creative agency explorer, extraordinaire, mistake maker, lifetime learner, dad joke maker, strategy director at an 11-person agency in Portland, Oregon called Murmur Creative. Things are good. Things are busy. Don't let anybody tell you that growing an agency is easy. It's not. Um, Anyway, I'm going to get Andrew, my brother, the owner of Murmur Creative, to come on the show again soon. Our goal, as previously stated, is to bring in a million dollars this year. And I know you're anxious to find out how we're doing towards that goal. I certainly am. We've got a great interview coming up with David Yard of Sevenality. Sevenality is a husband and wife creative team located in Florida. You may recall a few episodes back that by request of listener Zach Leeton, I asked if any agency owners wanted to share their discovery process. David reached out to me and the rest is podcast history. And you know, discovery is super important. Not only does a robust discovery process allow you to create better work for your clients, it cuts down on the time and the mistakes that are made in your creative work. Speaking of discovery, we just conducted our first persona building workshop for a client. Have you done this where you create a number of characters based on a client's customer base? You document their traits, their habits, their income, their talent and hobbies, fashion sense, um, all sorts of things. Um, it's actually pretty fun. And uh, we could probably do a whole episode on persona building. So if you're an expert on the topic, hit me up. One more thing for this interview, I think I accidentally recorded my voice through my computer speaker or my computer microphone. So it sounds kind of tinny. Sorry about that. It won't happen again. Now let's talk to David about the discovery process. Well, I've got David Yard from Sevenality on the phone. Uh, Welcome, David. Thanks for having me. You bet. uh, So you're in um, Florida. Where in Florida are you located? We are in the Orlando, Florida area, kind of about 20 minutes or so from Disney. Oh, nice. So your agency is called Sevenality, and uh, we're going to talk about the discovery process, but I I wanted to get a little bit of background on your agency. So I thought I'd just start with asking, how did Sevenality begin? I don't know. It's kind of like a lot of things came together, Um, a lot of frustrations for not really I guess, seeing a particular service available for business owners. And my wife and I, we both met in a stage where we were both very curious and passionate about things in life. And we found that one of the biggest things that we had in common was design and using that to help people. So a lot of times it would start out with, you know, simple friends and family uh, and then referrals from there and then kind of growing into uh, being right now a community leader of sorts and being able to help others who are entering the creative services field, those who are trying to figure out branding, and all those fun kind of things that go along with it. So it's been just an odd but fun journey over the years. And how long has uh, Sevenality existed? We've been around for, I want to say, over five years. And is Sevenality just you and your wife? Yes. So our core team is me and my wife. And additionally, we work with people that we'll meet, whether in our local community that we'll partner together with um, to take care of various things that we may not offer service wise. And I I noticed that Sevenality is very community and socially focused. How How did that come about? I don't know. It's also one of those things where you look at it and you say, you know, design has the power to really make a difference. And we felt that 
at the time when we started that the conversation was really just limited to people in the tech field, people who already understood and got design. Um, but when it came to those who actually needed it, the small businesses who you know wanted to get better recognition or build better communities around themselves, that that conversation wasn't really there. Um, so for us, it kind of became the heart of what we do. Uh, we we're both, you know, heavily involved in our church, heavily involved in other, you know, community things, whether it's parenting, uh, fitness. And so it just felt very natural to create a company that takes care of this need from a creative standpoint. So you have a design and sort of a technical background. Do you build websites as well as design websites? You know, it's funny that you ask that. It's very hard often when having the conversation, people are like, so are you a designer or are you a developer? So for me, it's kind of like I started out in design and then found that I can make the things that I'm designing interactive. And that kind of came about uh, corporate career wise. It kind of took it on a very interesting path where I kind of left being a UX architect. Uh, so kind of com- being able to combine my design and development experience into something that's a little bit more holistic. Um, and then with Sevenality, it's being able to translate that into business strategy, brand strategy, um, and different things of that nature. So how, how do you, you and your wife work together on a, on a project typically? Yes, so my wife is actually the director of projects. And her primary role um, with that is to make sure that I'm completing things on time um, at the bare essence of it. Uh, but when it, you kind of go up a little bit higher and look at it, uh, we both work on all of our proposals together. We also work on scheduling, you know, forecasting, making sure that this project, that it's a fit for us in our discovery process. And that as we go along, that things are the proper milestones are met, uh, different checkpoints are, you know, checked off in the correct way and everyone's happy at the end of the day. Do you use freelancers very often on projects or is it usually between just the two of you? Uh, For most of our projects, it's pretty okay with just the two of us. And then there are those cases where we do require extra help. So over the years, we focused a lot on building relationships with quality freelancers um, and most recently, you know, there have been sites that have come out like TopTal that you can kind of tap into that talent pool a little bit easier. TopTal? TopTal, yeah. How, how do you spell that? T-O-P-T-A-L. And that's like a, a service where you can connect with freelancers? Yeah, so they basically have a very strict process. Um, only the top like 3% of, you know, designers, developers really get accepted into their program. Um, and it's very neat that you can be able to reach out to someone that you know is already vetted uh, it's easy to work with and being able to execute things with as well nice i'll have to check that out do you have aspirations to grow sevenality beyond beyond just the two of you or do you like the size that it's at uh we like the size where it's at now but every smart business owner knows that there's just so much you can do on your own and over the past i would say you know, seven to eight months, we've been growing at four or five times the rate that we've really been growing in previous years. And so we know that we're kind of reaching the end of that limit. So definitely growing in terms of staff services is on our to-do list and something that we're actively tackling every week. What would you say one of the biggest challenges that um, you face as a business? So specific to us, I would say when we first entered the market, it's a really cool idea, you know, to be able to brand a company. But many people, even to this day, don't fully understand what branding is. Um, it's much easier to sell web design or web development or graphic design. But when you look in the, you know, that full scope of here's your brand, here's how you build it, 
Um, here's how you take it from idea, you know, you build a staff, you grow, you scale, and you do these different things, then the conversation becomes a lot different. Um, so for us, I guess our biggest challenge was that client or community education. Here's what this process really entails. You know, it's a dedication that you're going to be working on for at least 18 months for people to really know who you are, what you do, and, you know, if they can really trust and integrate your products or service into their lifestyle. Because we're in that age where businesses come and go very quickly. So you want to make sure that someone that's there is going to be sticking around to take care of the needs that you have both now and in the future. Um, so a lot of those conversations were very difficult to have. Uh, so we found ways to kind of work around that by going back to our community roots, um, offering different events, different talks, and even one-on-one -on -one consultations to really get to know who it is that we were serving um, and what were the needs that they were looking to have filled um, and how we can best go ahead and create our products and services around that model as well. Yeah, I noticed on your website, it seems like you guys participate in a lot of conferences and events and you do a lot of education. Has that led to, a, to clients for you? It has actually, and a lot more sustainable clients people who are a lot more focused on doing something that creates value versus something that creates a quick buck. Um, so it's made the process of onboarding a lot easier. Uh, the discovery process is a lot more fun for us. And even in terms of setting deadlines, they're a lot more realistic. So it's been one where doing these different things, reaching out and talking to people has really been able to put us and our potential clients or current clients on the same page. So we know, you know, these are things that we're standing for. These are things that we're looking to accomplish together. And here's something that we may be able to offer you to help take your story a little bit further. And then if, you know, it's something that we're not able to fully do, we have friends and partners that we work with to really push it to even another level outside of that. Well, let's, let's get into talking a little bit about the discovery process. I guess one way to start is just for you to walk us through what a discovery process is like for Sevenality. Uh, so I like to look at it as we have a pre and then actual discovery process. Um, so the first part to that is generally getting to know what is the need that the client is saying. Um, oftentimes someone will come and say, I need a website for my business that sells, um, let's use a use case like tacos, food trucks. Um, and I need a website to connect with my audience. And how much does that cost? And so, you know, in the beginning for starting out, a discovery process would be like, oh, this is really awesome. You know, here's how much a website would cost. And then you go into the project and a lot of things would be like, well, you know, I needed this, you needed that. And you start looking at your burn rate and realizing that this project isn't really, you know, one that's going to be profitable. You start running into different issues and things of that nature. So when we came together and, you know, really looked at how we wanted to address this when it came to clients working with Sevenality, we kind of broke it down into um, a four step approach. Uh, more like three, but with the extra bonus step at the end of really digging and get to knowing who this client is. Like, what is your passion? What is, you know, the real reason you decided to start this? And in many cases, asking these questions, we were better able to gather the requirements we needed to do things like proposals. And then, of course, requirements for designers, 
developers and marketing team if they had one, if we had to work with the legal, all these things kind of roll together and being able to pull all the available data and then sift through it, ask them questions, and even test out very small pieces of their idea to see you know, what is the best way to go. So in our discovery process now, once we get to know the basic need of a client, we then kind of go a little bit deeper into what was your original vision or mission? Um, we'll even ask questions like on an ideal day, your perfect day running your brand where everything is successful and set up, what does that look like to you? And then we'll also ask, where are you now? And we'll ask it in that specific sequence um, because it allows them to really get excited and share, you know, this is how my business and brand will look when everything is awesome. We're having, a, you know, our perfect day. And then they're able to look at where they are now and really start to fill in the blanks and say, well, you know, I need this website, but I also need business cards. I need logos. I need, you know, all these different things. And instead of attacking it at once, we're able to lay out an actual strategy for each step. Um, and then which, within each step, we make sure that we're testing against this validation. Uh, and we're really just kind of looking at, okay, is this the best route for you to take in your brand or your business right now? And in some cases, we found that it may not be the best case to just jump out and you know design a logo and business cards, that the idea may need to be validated further, that you know maybe it's such a particular niche idea that we really have to build a community around that first before you can start to see the elements of that brand really manifest itself and, you know, how people are talking about it and different things of that nature. And so once we're able to really capture the essence and where the brand is going, where they want to be, we are then able to write things like the proposals that outline the scope of work that's going to be done, different options that they can choose from in terms of price points, budget, and features that they're looking to really have, and then kind of map that out into something easy that can transfer over into uh, passing those details on to our creative team if we're working with one. So do you charge separately for the discovery process upfront? Uh, so our pre-discovery process is usually covered by whether it's a quick phone call. Um, many times we try to limit it down to about an hour. We also use an uh, online form that they can fill out with as many details as possible about you know their mission, vision, things that could be solved that way. Um, and then match that with researching it um, beforehand. Once we're done with that and we're actually working on the project, then the little bit more investigative discovery process goes into play. Um, and that's usually covered in the project costs. Okay, gotcha. I will say, though, on rare occasions, we are, you know, kind of required to scope something out. And it's kind of like the paid RFP. And we'll go through that, present our results, and then present, you know, how we would execute on that later on. The pre-discovery process is about an hour on the phone or through a form. Once you've scoped out the project, is there... Then we're kind of going a little bit into our technical discovery uh, and asset collection. Um, seeing what's really available, what we have to work with, where they're going with it. In, in many cases, you know, in terms of their technical architecture, what environments are we working with? Uh, from there, we pretty much are able to solve a lot of those things because it's a kind of all-inclusive package. And then in some cases, we have to work with their technical team. So we'll, you know, kind of outlay, here's what we're looking to do. Is, you know, they're like a staging environment. Would you like us to, you know, handle staging and you do the migration to your server? 
and kind of work out those details there. But we do try to cover as much of that in our initial phone conversation, um, any sort of email conversation, and then online questionnaire. How often are you sort of meeting in person with your clients usually during these processes? It works in a couple different ways. Depending on their schedule, we may set up a simple video conference, even simple phone call and you know, kind of go over things. Before we officially kick off the project or when we are, we usually like to have those meetings in person for our local clients. If they're somewhere across the United States or somewhere on the other side of the world, then we take advantage of technology as much as possible. So is your discovery process pretty similar with each client or, or does it sort of change depending on, on the project? So I'd say it's pretty consistent, especially in terms of the deliverables that will come out of it. In many cases, there's some sort of brand guideline or visual style guide that's coming out of that process. Sometimes even both, one for the overall brand and one to make sure that they're executing different components of their website properly to match that. To kind of give you a bit of an idea, once we're done, they're signed on as a client, one of the next things that they receive from us is a schedule. And within it, it kind of goes over, you know, thank you for signing on as a client. You know, you're not just a random number. You're actually a person. Um, we also try to personalize this document for them as well, including a quote that relates to their industry or their passion, something maybe from a role model or mentor that they have that really fits within the vision of this project. And then they have that schedule so they know, OK, this is when the first deliverable is going to be ready by. This is when the first, you know, waypoint payment is due by. This is how much time I have to, you know, respond and get feedback if I want to keep this project on time. If not, you know, I may run into some problems later down the road. Uh, and so we try to do our best to really communicate, see what's happening with the client. There are a lot of things that are very unavoidable, like ending up in the hospital, um, your kid is sick, all these different things happen because life happens. So we try to take as much of you know that away from the customer having to worry about, oh, I need to do all these things or I don't know when, and provide a lot more stability in saying, okay, I can expect this to happen here. And as long as we communicate, then this process is going to be you know amazing and awesome, and I'll be happy with what's done at the end of the day. Nice. Do you ever conduct like discovery workshops with, with clients? Yes. Um, so this is actually one that we enjoy a whole lot. We have different names for it. We just kind of call it the sticky exercise. Um, and it's literally just grabbing a bunch of post-it notes or even paper with clear tape and using those to really collect their ideas. Uh, many of our clients often will say, oh, I don't have a creative bone in my body. I can't draw. I can't do this. And so in this exercise, it really opens them up to showing that, yes, you are actually a lot more creative than you realize. And it helps to really put things on the same page as well because we're then able to really quickly organize these ideas, see the patterns that are forming, even spot problems that they may not have realized beforehand, um, and get them really involved, like they're feeling that they were actually contributing in a positive way to the project. And then we also continue doing this with different miniature courses, like sitting down with them, they have training time within their projects to go over, you know, here are some of the things that you may have learned in our initial discovery meeting. 
how much of that have you been using? Is there anything that you know you don't feel too confident in? So it's not just like we do it one time and we're done. We're kind of consistently getting that feedback, getting them engaged, having them you know pull things that they may be inspired by, tell us the reason why, and really get them open so that we can use that information to build out a product that matches specifically what they're looking for. So what usually is the the product or the the outcome of the the sticky exercise? Um, In some cases, it could be something as simple as if we're trying to determine what is the exact messaging and tone that should be done. And so a couple of documents may even come out of that. If it's a full kind of like branding and web development type project, we'll get things like, here's the creative brief that came out of this particular thing. And here are some things specifically that came out as patterns that we specifically want to address, whether it's, you know, awareness for that brand, um, awareness for, you know, the new project or feature that's been launched on their site. How do we connect those two together? And so, you know, simple creative briefs, whether it's the designers, the marketing team, Um, or advertising agency that they're working with or that we've partnered with to execute on this uh, will come out of something like that. And then in other cases, uh, you also have like, you know, here's the tone and messaging that goes into the branding document for them. And for websites, it's kind of like the whole style guide layout. We try to include that to say, you know, here's a logo that you created in phase one, and here's how that logo works in your website that, you know, more times people aren't even going to remember specifically that logo, but they're going to remember the experience that's tied to the logo over everything else. And so different things like that, whether it's guides for their employees, uh, staff that they're, you know, going to be hiring on, things for the vendors that they'll be working with, it could be anything. It just really depends on the specific need of that client. Can you mention a time maybe where the discovery process did not succeed or got derailed and why that was? I would say back when we're first starting out, um, you always kind of imagine that, yeah, you know, I get this project on, it's going to you know unfold over the next three, four weeks, and everything's going to be on schedule and on time. Um, And as time went on, we kind of learned to ask better questions. Uh, And instead of asking, you know, things that a client likes, um, ask them what they don't like. They'll give you a lot more information that way. And so that was something that took us a while to really learn and incorporate. Um, But once we did, it made a very huge difference instead of saying, oh, you know, what exactly do you like? And they're like, well, I like this side. But what in reality they're saying is, I like this business model or what this model seems to be doing in terms of revenue. Um, So understanding a lot more was something that in the first, I would say, year kind of struggled with, um, especially on my end, Uh, coming from a purely technical, I get an order in to build out some features and I do it kind of a career to more, you know, interacting and talking with them, finding out their needs, what motivates them, what demotivates them, and using that as information into building out scope and requirements. That's a pretty good idea. I haven't thought about that so much in the discovery process, trying to figure out what people don't like. I like that idea. It's been very, very helpful. Um, I think it was, I forgot what book it was by. Um, I think the author was Ryan Levesque. And it's, I want to say it's the Ask Formula. Um, And basically, it's just, you know, 
anti-questions, really and truly. Um, if you ask someone, do you like baseball? I mean, people are going to generally be like, yeah, I, I like baseball. Um, but that question is kind of close-ended because you don't know how much they like baseball. But now, you know, you ask someone and say, hey, you know, what don't you like about baseball? And they'll start to tell you, oh, you know, I don't like the way this is done in an organization, or I don't like this team's colors, or this player, or that thing. And now you have a lot more information about what they don't like. And it's easier to say, oh, but you like all these other things and align with that. Interesting. So can you give an example sort of how you would ask that to a client? Maybe you're doing a website for them. How, how would you sort of approach that sort of questioning? Um, actually, here's a live example that we're working through a situation right now. We're working with a partner of, our, of ours that specializes in social media and social media marketing. And one of the difficult things that we really had you know, trouble nailing down and helping them in their brand strategy was where they really wanted to go because they're looking to develop a logo and he had an idea in mind. And this is kind of just the idea that he was stuck with. And it wasn't until, you know, kind of much later in our discovery process where I asked, you know, what don't you like? What are some things that you don't like about other companies that are in your space? And then digging deeper to where did this idea really, really come from outside of, you know, it just solving kind of a client need of yours? Was there a deeper place? Because uh, he's very passionate about it. And so, you know, finding out that it's actually the com combination of two different elements into one and really opening up and saying, oh, now we actually have the idea how this is going to work. Your branding incorporates two sides of your business, the cons business to consumer and the business to business. And here's how you can execute, you know, these two portions together and build, you know, a more solid and stable brand. And one of the things he actually stopped and said to me, he was like, to be honest with you, I have never understood my business that way until just now. And he was like, I really understand and see, you know, why I need to do it this way. He's like, I want to do it right, but I'm scared. And it's a very common thing. You know, you're a brand, a person starting a company. That's their baby. That's the thing that they want to protect and hold there. And somebody else coming in and telling them, hey, this is how it's supposed to look. This is how, you know it should really be working. It, you kind of take offense to that. You're like, wait, why are you telling me about my child? Like, who are you? Like, are you crazy? You don't know this thing like I do. Um, so you really have to find out, you know, what it's, what's really driving them about it. Because most people create something because they don't like the way in which something else is done. Um, so if you're able to capture that information and find out, you know, where are you really going? What really stirred this passion? You know, what really happened here? Uh, you're able to really gain a lot and help them visualize this. That's interesting. It actually reminds me of a, a client that we had in where we thought that their their business name for their new business was not good and that it had some pretty big flaws. And we told them that and they acted very, very protective. It wasn't It wasn't super effective for us to tell them that we didn't like their name. They'd been told that before. And they were also really defensive about it. And I think that maybe if we had sort of delved a little deep into what the reasoning, you know, what sort of negative connotations they had with other names that weren't like theirs, 
it might have gotten us a little more at the root of why they had chosen the one they had, because they were looking to differentiate from other brands that were similar to theirs. And that's one of the reasons why they, they chose sort of a somewhat provocative name. So yeah, that's interesting to think about. Yeah, it's, it's, you learn something new every day. Um, and many times people say, well, you know, your job seems seems so intense and crazy. And I'm like, I actually enjoy it because there's you're always on the edge of your seat. Um, you can have two people in the same space looking to execute on a similar idea. Once you dig in and start discovering more about what they're doing, uh, you find that they're looking to go in two different you know, directions. Um, and I think the excitement of a new project is something that can also overshadow um, creatives in many cases where we're like very excited to get this. We really want to make our mark on the world and really want to show something awesome and forget that in that process that we're actually helping someone else tell their story. Mm-hmm. Have you had experiences where where you've gone all the way down the road, you know, with a, with a logo or something and you felt like it was right on and then they had some reservation at the end and want to go back to the drawing board? Uh, yes, many, many times. At first, it was very difficult. Um, as time went on, we kind of learned to not be so married to our work. Uh, the things that we produce are kind of a byproduct of what the skills and things that we put into it. Clients will be unhappy and that's something to be expected. And it shouldn't be something that is taken personal. Feelings change. You know, depending on when you ask that question, they may like it or they may love it. Depending on who they've asked afterwards, that could also swear they sway their opinion uh, in one way or another as well. Over the years, however, we've developed within our process ways to minimize that from happening. Um, so as we go through the process, we'll start out with a much wider range of concepts, especially if we're doing brand identity work. Um, and then whittle that down into, you know, something that after we've gone through round one and here are the things that you don't like from round one and, you know, we've done round two and, you know, we've gone through that. And each one of these phases has kind of a sign off. So you signed off, you know, this is something that I like and we're moving on to, you know, the thing that we're doing in the next step. Um, and this has kind of minimized it. So people are like, oh, I kind of don't like it. It's a lot more of like, OK, yes, I see this is what it is. You get a lot more serious feedback within it because people realize that these rounds are going down. And so that has helped us greatly in avoiding having to go all the way back to the beginning and able to catch it right where it is and say, OK, you don't like this particular direction that we went with it. And you've listed your reasons why. Tell us how, you know, this particular direction looks now. And nine times out of ten, it's like probably just one thing that may have needed to be moved or, you know, they may have not been able to picture it that well. You know, you see like a black and white logo or a color logo, but you can't really relate to that. Um, So introducing a lot of things like mock-ups into that process, um, especially even going out into the real world situation and, you know, probably photographing and using that as ways to display their logo in a more realistic setting, make it more tangible, um, has also helped us in moving past those different situations. Yeah, I know we've done some of the same thing with our logo processes. Um, You know, in cases where we think it's hard for the client to imagine the logo in use, we'll mock it up on some 
bottles or products or trucks or a window or something like that to sort of give them the idea of what the logo will look like in the wild. How, how do you manage people showing work to people outside of the design process? Because I know that that's a problem we have is that somebody, they get some, their first round of logos or their first round of website comps and they want to show them to everybody in the company and, you know, somebody who's not a part of the process is just like, these suck. <laughs> well, um, so in our discovery process as well, we try to have all the stakeholders involved, all those that, you know, kind of require sign off before this goes live uh, to be present. Um, and then one of them is kind of designated as a person that's going to actually sign off on the process to minimize everyone that may possibly be involved. And so that has kind of helped with much larger companies, more structured companies. But then our smaller clients, you know, they're excited about their brand. They're excited about this logo that they're getting designed. They may have been talking a lot about it. And their friends and family are naturally curious. But one question that we generally ask is, how involved, you know, is this person in the particular business? Um, and then something else we may ask, what about it did that person not like? Because usually if a person is launching a product or something on that small of a scale, then, you know, they're going to be reaching out to family and friends. And it's kind of important to get them to like it. But at the same time, it's also important to get their perspective on what they may not like even more. And even if they don't like it, really and truly, we try to point out to them that these may not be the people who are directly paying your bills. Um, but they will be giving you lots of opinions because in life you have a lot of backseat drivers. But the people that you're working with, your target market, and then we also kind of present to them a little bit of the data that we've been collecting as we are testing and going on. They're responding to it in a positive light. So are you going to, you know, take an emotion of, you know, this team over here? Or are you going to kind of go a little bit more with what the data is actually showing about this particular thing? And then above all, we'll ask them, what do you really think? Because it's very important to differentiate the thoughts and feedback that you're getting as not so much as what, you know, mom or brother or sister may think, but what do you think? Because this is your company, your baby, your thing that you're owning and presenting to the world. When things kind of go bad, those people may or may not be there, but you will have to be present. What do you feel? What do you think? And kind of work from there. That makes a lot of sense. We actually just had, we always tell our clients not to do this, but we just had a client recently put their, um, their it was like second or third round logos on um, social media to get opinions from people. And it's, it's so dangerous to do that. I feel like if you let yourself get swayed because, you know, people are not invested in the process or not invested in the project, they're coming out of nowhere with very little experience and just offering an opinion on a dime you know, it's, it's dangerous feedback. <laughs> it is. And in many cases, people don't realize how much this can later on hurt their brand. Um, because it can kind of give the appearance that you may not be so sure where your business is even going. Um, and that you're not really able to make that final decision when it actually counts. Um, and so it's very important to, if you're going to show it, show it to a trusted group of people. Um, if you have a mentorship or advisory board, you know, work with them and kind of find out what they may not enjoy or what they enjoy from it. Um, but most importantly, ask them, does this seem to align with our mission and vision? 
So at the end of the day, we can like it or not like it, but it needs to align with the message that you're trying to share. Yep. Um, so do you track time in your discovery process to make sure that you're not going over budget or spending too much time in, in meetings and stuff like that? Yes. So my wife is pretty adamant about time tracking for everything right down to kind of our community hours. It's very interesting. Um, if we ever get the time, we'd love to kind of publish. Here's a breakdown of how, you know, Sevenality has been doing things. Um, I think it'd be pretty cool to do this year uh, around the end of it. But it's, it's very important. Many freelancers that we've worked with may find it as a process that reminds them of corporate life. But it's very important to know, okay, I may think that this website is going to take me 35 hours to build out based on the designs. Um, But in reality, it may end up taking me 47. That's information that, you know, is very crucial to me. Um, And if I notice that three or four projects are in that range, then, you know, now I have a better sense of this is how much time it actually takes me to get this done. Um, Discovery-wise, making sure that that's tracked, even down to, you know, how long each proposal may take um, based on research and different things. Um, So we know what is billable time and what is time that we can't bill for because that's like an administrative task for us. And so it's really important to know those metrics as a business owner, as a freelancer. And if you're not really able to look at it and say, here's where my time is going, then you really don't know where your business will be going um, because you can't properly plan or schedule or do anything without having that picture in front of you of what you've been doing or what's most common. So um, do you use, what do you use to um, keep track of your time? So we use Toggle um, to keep track of our time here. Uh, it's pretty simple. It integrates into our invoicing um, and it's very easy. You ready to start time, just click on it. The project's already created. If it's not, you just kind of type it out and there you go. It syncs across desktop and mobile devices. So that's even handy for on an on-site client meeting, um, different things like that. Uh, it makes it a lot easier. Oh, that's cool. I actually haven't heard of that before. We're experimenting with using uh, 10,000 feet right now, which uh, isn't, isn't like a normal time tracking software that you actually turn on and off. It's more like you assign a certain amount of hours to someone and then they confirm that they've worked that amount of hours. Uh, which is kind of nice in the way that you don't actually have to click on and click off every time you start a project. You basically just, at the end of the day, you're like, okay, I spent two hours on this. I had a one-hour meeting. I did two hours of this. Um, It's, you know, maybe a little bit less accurate, but also kind of it eliminates, like, forgetting to turn the clock off or turn the clock on. (laughs) Are there any tools that you, uh, other software tools that you rely on? Uh, so for invoicing and all that good stuff, accounting, we use Zero. Yeah, it's 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 cool. It takes a little bit, you know, of a time investment initially to set it up, but once you have it set up, you feel pretty official once using it. It's pretty nice, especially when you're tracking things like taxes. That's something that I haven't really found a lot of others to really do in a very easy manner. Um, other things that we use, so for project management, we use Asana. Um, it's very simple to the point. Um, we also have templates that it allows you to create 
So if we have a development-based project, then there's usually a certain you know amount of things that need to be done for that project. Um, design, same thing for that. Uh, if it's consulting, then it's generally pretty straightforward. Of course, tracking your hours is key in that as well. Outside of that, design-wise, we are a little bit more in the sketch point of view. Uh, sketch over Photoshop, although we do you know, use Illustrator and Photoshop depending on the client, but most of our in-house projects are kind of designed through Sketch. Let's see. I guess personally for me, I would say the biggest tool that I enjoy using has been, it's actually an app by, it's a learning app by Google um, called Google Primer. And it's real easy. It's a mobile app that you can get on iOS and Android. And it has these little courses that are anywhere between four to maybe seven minutes. They're usually around five, I would say, that you can do on different topics like, you know, content strategy or information architecture or, you know, different things like that. And it's very easy. It's a great way to keep up to date on your skills um, and also kind of understand things from the client perspective. And you can do them basically anywhere. You're waiting in line at the store. It's probably going to take you five minutes to get from, you know, the end of that line to the counter. If it's a long line, why not do a course that helps you keep an edge? Oh, that's cool. That's cool. I'll have to check that out. Well, thank you so much for joining me for the show. I'd love to ask you what um, your three takeaways are for people who are conducting discovery processes. Over the years, there are so many things that you see that just go wrong within that discovery process. I would say agencies now, if you're looking to start an uh, agency or you have one and trying to improve that process, uh, the first thing that I would recommend is make sure that the processes that follow your discovery um, are solid and make sense for the information that you're looking to gather. So, you know, you should have an intent for this information that you're gathering within the discovery process. And more than just enough to know who to build, you know, the basic idea of what they're building, but the actual, you know, I'm working with this client. They're looking to do a lot more in, you know, health and fitness. Their passion is, you know, making people healthier that, you know, work fast paced jobs in the tech industry. Digging deeper into, you know, like their mission, their focus, where they see themselves will give you a lot better information to do things like, okay, we're writing requirements for a website or we're doing brand guidelines um, or marketing guidelines. It makes the delivery of that to other processes much easier. Um, the second, I would say, is track your time. It seems annoying. It seems like something very trivial. You know, most creatives just want to jump in and get work done. But this is a lot more of a measure for you than it really is for, you know, providing to your client or to get paid if you're a contractor. It lets you know how much time is being spent on each task that you're doing. And as you look back on it, you can look and see the areas that you can improve in. The third one, I would say, is have fun. Development, design, creative, any technical project, it can get very serious really quickly. Um, the moment round of revisions is passed by and more revisions are still come in, it could get very technical. This is what was in our scope. We're going out of scope. You know, those are conversations you don't really want to have, but in many cases are unavoidable. 
So if you can make that discovery process a lot more fun, a lot more engaging, a lot more you know, down to earth that really connects with the client that you're working with, then every other process kind of reaps the benefit of that. They'll understand that, oh, you know, here's how the process really works. Here's, you know, what we're really trying to do within these three rounds of revisions. Here's what we're looking to accomplish when we intake this information to building you your website or your platform or your application. And so, yeah, have fun with it and just get to know your client as best as possible. That's great. That's great advice. Thanks so much for um, being on the show. I know that uh, my audience will appreciate it as well. I appreciate you having me here. You've been listening to the Creative Agency Podcast with your host, Chris Bolton, who when he's not podcasting or being a dad, he's the Digital Strategy Director at Murmur Creative in Portland, Oregon. Be sure to visit us online at creativeagencypodcast.com.